Welcome to part one of this episode of Talking Shit About with me, Elizabeth Biberman. We're here today with Shorty, who's talking about her experience in sororities. In part one, we're going to break down what they are, how they work, how they're structured. And then in part two, we're going to compare them to cults because, wow, holy geez, they are very culty. So I hope you enjoy, and if you are curious about what's going on with the fraternities and sororities on UM's campus, the Kaiman just released an article by Mazana Bourbon, um, and you can read that at Montana, Montana, montanakaiman.com. Um, it has some updates about, you know, what's closing down, what's coming back, what shenanigans everybody's up to. And with that, we will go ahead and start the episode. Let's talk some shit. I am here today with my dear friend Shorty Yay. to talk <laughs> shit about sororities. Hi, oh Shorty. <laughs> How yeah. are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. This is a lot of a lot of tea I get to spill and I'm very excited to spill it. So yeah. I'm so excited for you to spill it because sororities are one of those things that it's like I want to hate like inherently, but I'm like, I don't really know that much about them except for like what I know from you now. Mm -hmm. um which really isn't like that much um but yeah I am excited to like hate them with like reason you know <laughs> yeah 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 I feel like yeah I feel like there's some parts like the intentions behind sororities are good but the actual action of sororities at least the one that I was in is did not turn out good so yeah um so what is a sorority so the like textbook definition that I was told when I started joining and everything was that a sorority is typically a body of women who come together um, to work together to acquire scholastic goals. So most sororities, like they have goals for GPA every semester. They have goals for grades in general. They typically have a philanthropy. So like, um, some of them have like an organization that they're tied to. Some of them have a specific place in the community, which they're donating their funds to and they fundraise for. So it's a mixture of like scholastic, but also to like being involved in the community and supporting the community and doing something that makes a bigger impact and a broader impact. And then typically sororities on a campus have like a, a conglomeration that they all hang out in, um, kind of like something that they all kind of Put together to oversee all the sororities on the campus and that too typically has a philanthropy of some kind and that as well kind of has like rules and protocols that um, align with scholastic goals and align with like volunteer goals and that kind of stuff make sure that sororities are not just like party houses for people but are actually like doing what they were established to do way back when the when the first one was established um, and then sororities typically you have your chapters and then you have underneath those, those all the bunch of chapters and then you have like um, your section which like the one that I was in we were in the western like mid like we're in like the mountain 
section of it. So all the sororities from that section have one specific person that comes to visit them and check in and make sure that they're running correctly and that they're following the rules and the goals, that kind of stuff. And then you have national and that's like the original base home for the sorority. Um, and I was lucky enough to go to my sorority's national campus. And that was really cool. Me participate in a national event, which is really awesome. Um, and national just kind of is like home base. It's the ones that are like, here's the rules. Here's what we want you to accomplish. Here's the support system that you have. Here's what we expect to happen within your sorority. And here's how you deal with issues and problems and so on and so forth. But the base goal is like women coming together to um, work together to get their degrees in college. And the reason why they started was because women were very rare on campuses way back when. And so they would stay together to kind of help them and encourage each other while getting their education because the male versus female on the campus was a lot um, different than what it is today. And men viewed women as lower than themselves. And so on campuses, they were typically isolated when getting their degrees. And so it was a way for women to connect and not feel so isolated and support one another. Yeah, kind of a short history slash synopsis. Perfect. What yeah. is like the structure of like an individual like house look like? Yeah, so when I was in my sorority, um, you have your like all the girls and in mine, I think we had about like 50 plus, I want to say. And then when you're in the sorority, you have to live in the house for a certain period of time. So like at my sororities, you had to live inside the house for two years. And our house had 35 women total that could live in the house, which like looking back, 35 women in the house and a single house with like, mm, like 12 rooms, 14, 15 rooms, maybe that was not a good idea. Um, but you have just typical sorority sisters and then you have typically a president and then like a vice president. And then you have someone who's in charge of like finances, someone who's in charge of like the house itself, the house mom who's. Okay. Technical difficulties. Um, <laughs> we are talking about the house structure. So you have an ungodly amount of young women together yep. Yep. 30 to 50 ish yep and then you have some it sounded like a president vice president mm -hmm. and are those like fellow students yeah so the vice president and president like everyone who's in cabinet basically is voted on by this of all the girls and so they like run every year and then you get to choose who you want to be president vice president um, there's chief financial officer, chief philanthropy officer. There is um, a chief like house officer who's in charge of like assigning who your roommate is, assigning what chores you have to do, um, all that kind of stuff. And also they're in charge of like who can live in the house, who gets to live out of the house. And then you have the person who's in charge of like all of the um, stuff that you do for the sword is considered like sacred. So like in sorority is a lot of like, there's a lot of things that like, even though I'm not a part of it, I don't feel comfortable talking about because it's stuff that like I sworn to secrecy in. And so that person's in charge of like everything regarding that. And they're the person who's in charge of like 
when you go through initiation night, they're the person who sets up initiation. They're the person who chooses big littles. They're that person. Um, and then you also have your house mom, who's like not a part of the sorority, who is an older woman, typically, who was paid for by the sorority to stay in the house and be in charge of like all the women um, and that kind of stuff. And then there's some other people I'm like blanking. There's like a lot more is a person who's in charge of like your academic scholarship and academic, like how well you're doing in academics. And if you're not doing too well, they can put you in academic probation, all this kind of other, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, there's a quite a bit of cabinet positions. And then typically cabinet would meet separate from the rest of us um, to kind of go over things, decide things. Um, and typically the president, when the person from like uh, corporate would come or from like our district would come in and see our sorority, they, they would typically meet with like the president and the vice president of the sorority. So, yeah. So you got like some structure in there. It's not just like a bunch of women running them up. You have some structure. Let's get into your story. Yeah. Um, how did it start? What drew you in? How did you end up in a sorority? Yeah, so my family, I come from like a, I was never really close, I'm the middle kid, I was never really close with my family, like my little brother and I have never really been really close, my older sister and I have never been, never really been very close, my mom and my dad have been very close, um, and throughout high school I really just wanted like a good group of like girlfriends I could hang out with and rely on and lean on and really have that support and people I could really like trust to constantly be there for me because in my home life like I had people who were there for me but I couldn't trust that they'd always be there for me and so I really just wanted a sisterhood I really just wanted people who were gonna stand by me and stand with me and really support and care for me and a sorority sounded like that kind of place of like women coming together supporting and loving and caring for each other and um, build each other up and congratulating each other and pushing each other to become better people. And that's what I really wanted in my life. And also too, in high school as a kind of person, and even going to like college, I was like, I want to be the kind of person that does stuff you don't expect. And like people wouldn't expect me to be in sorority. So therefore I kind of want to be in a sorority. So I like the idea of having that sisterhood. And I like the idea of doing something unexpected. And I also love volunteering. Like I absolutely love volunteering. I did a lot when I was in high school. Um, I And I wanted to continue that in college. I know being a part of sorority was somewhat about volunteering and caring for the community. And that's something I really wanted to do. And so because that's what also kind of drew me was the fact that they were so willing and wanting to be part of the community and support the community. And I understood when I was in high school, even going into like, you know, there might be a lot of drinking and parties and stuff like that. And I was kind of like, I'm not there to drink and party. I'm there to support other women, care for other women, um, to volunteer in my community and to be a good role model within my community and to get my degree. And, you know, these are things I'm not here to party. I'm not here to get with all the frat boys. Like I'm here to study hard, make really good friends and make good connections and memories that I'll never forget. Um, and so going into it, that's really what drew me in. And the sort of that I ended up going with really had the ideals that I wanted and the ideals that I liked. And the girls that were there um, that I met seemed like they'd really care for me and really support me at the time. Um, but 
yeah, it was really just like the the way it was presented to me at the time that really drew me in. Was there like a moment where you knew? Yeah, I think I was like a junior or senior high school and I was like, yeah, I want to be in a sorority when I get to college. Like it just seems like kind of fun. Um, typically sororities don't like come into high schools and recruit people. But what they will do is that they'll go on Instagram and like not typically the sorority that I was in, but there was other sororities on campus who did this. They would go and look at all the women who were going into the college and were going to be freshmen in college. And they would look for the girls with the most amount of followers on Instagram, the prettiest ones, the models. And they would recruit them through Instagram and say like, hey, you should rush and you should become part of our sorority because we're the prettiest girls on campus and we want you to be a part of our sorority. And um, that was something that like when I found out, I was like, whoa, they do that. And like, yeah, like, yeah, they will they will contact girls as they come into college and say they want you to rush and say that you have a bid for that sorority because of how many Instagram followers you have or how popular you are, how pretty you are. And I was like, wow, that's kind of that's kind of messed up. And they're like, yeah, it is kind of messed up that they do that. So. Yeah, but no, it was like, it was my senior high school. And then I knew going into my freshman year of college, I really wanted to be part of a sorority. What was the joining process like? Yeah, so the joining process, you have like a week. And throughout that week, you go and visit other sororities. So you have uh, the first days what we call water rounds. So you basically go to their, the campus that I went to, there was five, four, four different sorority houses. Um, And so you went to all four sorority houses and you just sat down with them and drank a bunch of water. You had to pee a lot that night because you were drinking a ton of water and you're just having conversations with them about like, what are you looking for in a sorority? What are they looking for? What their sorority is like, you know, getting to know them, them getting to know you. Um, And then you would rate on a card from like one to four, like which one you wanted the most and which one you wanted least. And then the other side, that house would vote on you. And they would say that they, it was also a score of like one to four, one being, I think it was like one being the most, four being the least. And then depending on if they wanted you as much as you wanted them, the next night, that's who you would go to. So first night was water rounds. And typically throughout this whole entire time, you were dressed usually very nicely. Some girls wore heels. And I mean, like heels, like six inch heels, Um, And you were expected like dress nice, wear dresses, wear skirts, Um, like you were not to wear jeans, like it was kind of like you had to dress more professionally, um, because you wanted to be viewed as like, you know, a good fit. Um, So you had water rounds. And then you had, oh, gosh, I'm trying to think of the second night, you had house tours, that's what it was, you had house tours. And so you would typically be invited to two or three houses. I'm, it's been a long time, so I can't remember exactly every single night, um, but you'd be invited back to house tours and you would go and get a tour through the whole entire house. And they'd be like, this is your, this is like what our rooms look like. This is where we do our laundry. Typically they would have a study room. One of the sororities had a workout room that was basically in the basement, like a, had a whole entire like gym set up, which is really cool. Um, and then he would, yeah, you get a house tour of everything. And then you typically would sit down at some point and you would be told about their philanthropy and what they do and the, um, the different 
uh, places they organize with and fundraise for and that kind of stuff. And then once again, the, the night, you typically had two nights of house tours, I want to say. And then, um, so it'd be like Monday, you did water rounds, Tuesday, Wednesday, you did house tours. And then and a house tours, again, you would vote, this is the sorority I want to go into, one to four, and they would vote on you one to four. And then it was pref night. And pref night is where you kind of go in, it's the sorority's last chance to say that they want you and it's their last chance to prove to you that you should be there. And it's your night to kind of decide which one you want to go to. Typically a girl will have like two houses they'll pref. And then sometimes they'll have one house. And sometimes if a girl's really popular, they'll have more houses to choose from. I had two that I prepped at. Um, and basically what they do is they kind of bring, they like really kind of gather around you. They really support you, really make you feel cared for because they really want you to be a part of their house. And then you go downstairs and you watch a video about how amazing their sorority is and how wonderful the girls are and how amazing being part of their house will be. And there's a lot of crying um, because the girl's like, oh my God, like, I know I want to be part of this place, like that kind of stuff. Um, I want to say I cried on my prefer. I don't remember exactly if I did or not. It was so long ago. Um, but yeah, so you do that. And then between, that's like typically Thursday night. And then between Thursday and Friday night, the houses choose if they want you or not. And if you do, you get to go to bid day and bid days on a Friday. And what we did is we all gathered in the gym at uh, the college and they have envelopes and you're given an envelope with your name on it and you're supposed to open it up and whatever house it says in the little card is the house you got a bid from. So it's the house you're going to go and you're going to go through their initiation process with. And so I got the house that I wanted. And so they had us, you like would run to the side that you were on. And you would go and you'd get your bid day stuff and you'd have a bid day buddy, which is a or girl in the store that you'd be, would be with the whole entire day. And then you would go to the sorority house and you would have a, it was a big grand event where all the girls were invited. And it was the way for the whole entire sorority to get to know these new girls and the new girls to get to know each other. And it was really fun on bid day. There was like a big event. And in sororities, you're not allowed to have any alcohol on the premises. And there was like no drinking during sorority events except for like formals. And that was only if you're 21 plus. So there was no drinking whatsoever. And it was a completely sober event. Um, and it was really fun. They typically, we had like a dance party, I think. We had like a, um, the theme that I got my bid was like Candyland. So you had like a bunch of candy, and these different things. And it was just like a really fun time. And then you would go home. They would like tell you like, okay, this is when chapter is, and chapter is their um, chapter is their like kind of uh, weekly meeting, and it's typically like a secret meeting. So like no one's supposed to know like where you hold chapter in the house or if you hold it in the house, and so you're told like when chapter is and where to go for it and that kind of stuff. And then that kind of initiation process starts. So that's the whole thing and then initiation it's it's really different from frat boys initiation the fact that the house that I was in we didn't haze um typically frat boy initiations they do 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 a lot of hazing and in my particular like national sorority it was banned to haze but in other houses that I I've heard rumors of 
they would have women sit on like washing machines. And if they had a, it was the jiggle test. So if you're sitting on the washing machine and anything that jiggled, they put an X on. And then by the time initiation came around, which was like, typically you get a bid like first week of college and the initiation was like mid to late October, you, the girls in that sorority were going to have to have lost that jiggle by initiation week. Otherwise they wouldn't get initiated, which is like really messed up to think about. Um, and, and really just is not good in general. Um, so yeah, the initiation process, you kind of just go to chapter. They usually have events for you to go to, to get to know each other with, and then they try and find you your big and your big as like your mentor in the house. And so there's typically the person who's in charge of recruitments also in charge of like finding you a big and getting those events together. So for me, it was like, I got, was given like four different girls that they kind of were like, oh, well, she hit off with these four girls during um, rush. And so like a recruitment week is what we called it. We called it recruitment week. So she'd offer these four girls. And so she's going to go on like big little dates or like big, she's going to go on, they called it. um, Yeah. It was like big little dates to figure out like, if I really connect this person, if I really wanted this person to be my big or not. And so I went on four and two of the girls, I was like, we do not have a connection very good at all. Like you're nice. I like you as a person, but like, I don't think you'd be a good mentor for me. And then there was two girls that I was like, I'm like debating it back and forth. And then like one of them kind of took the cake. And then before initiation night, you have your big little night. Um, And that's where you get to find out like who your big is. And typically like you'll have a theme with it. And mine was like the Lion King. So my big like popped out of a box and she was a lion and then she gave me a lion suit as well. And so then that night we were a lion suit together and we went out and got ice cream together in our lion suit with the whole rest of our like family. And it was a really fun night. It's like a really special night because your big is the person who leads you through initiation. They're kind of the person like holding your hand throughout it to and making sure that you feel safe and comfortable um, and that kind of stuff. Initiation is like sacred. Like I can't really speak on what initiation is like. Um, all I can say is that the initiation that I went through had like no physical harm whatsoever. Um, so like nothing happened bad to me physically. Like no one hit me, no one, any of that kind of stuff. Like no, like no one was yelling at me or cursing at me. Unlike what you see in the movies, typically um, nothing like that happened to me. Yeah, and then after initiation, you're like a part of the sorority. Um, typically, you get like a pin or like, yeah, usually it's a pin. And you're supposed to wear that pin to chapter every single week to kind of say like, hey, I'm an official member of this sorority, that kind of thing. I remember when we met, I don't know where you were at or how long you had been in your sorority, but I remember at the beginning, you were always really excited about it um to talk about it and stuff um was your like introduction experience was that did that go really well for you or were there anything were there like any like red flags or like anything that you thought was kind of weird like in hindsight that you did yeah so when I first joined I was so excited to be part of it and I really loved what we were doing in it but like immediately after 
kind of rush and all of us girls got together um, to like be initiated together and everything and to go through this process together, cliques started forming really fast. And I was someone who wasn't a part of these cliques. Like I like I just wasn't like there was girls who hung out together and stuff like that. And very from the beginning, I remember kind of being like, oh, well, those girls don't want to hang out with me and those girls don't like me. A big red flag for me was when I, so when I get really nervous, I talk a lot and I typically talk really fast and I trip over my words and I talk a lot, a lot about myself. And that's not because of like, I want to, it's just because with ADHD, typically that's something that you'll do is that you'll um, talk about yourself and you're trying to like bond with people through experiences. And that's what I do. And I think a lot of the girls took that a different way and took it as me being like really chatty and really self-centered, which I'm not. Um, I mean, people who have known me for a long time, you probably know this as well. I'm not typically someone who's like all about me and everything's about me and the life is all about me, that kind of thing. Um, but when I was, we did like a retreat together as a sorority and it was like my first, it was maybe like Let's see, we got initiated like in the second week of October in 2017. And then we went on to our like retreat as a sorority house, like in end of October, beginning of November. Um, and we had a day where like people were giving out awards and this was like kind of funny joking awards. And the award that I got was Motor Mouth. They like stood up there and they're like, the award for motor mouth goes to and the whole room went silent like completely silent and I was like devastated because I was already there and I already was feeling as though like people didn't like me people didn't care about me I already felt kind of isolated and alone and like I didn't have very many friends and then like to get that award was just like crushing and I remember my big was so mad and she was so pissed off. And she was like, I'm going to go find the person who wrote this because this is just awful. And like, you just joined and like, this is really mean and this is not okay. And like, I remember a bunch of the girls just kind of standing looking around like, and their kind of looks on their faces were like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what you are. You're kind of a motor mouth. Like you just talk a lot. And that was really hurtful. And like, I remember just like feeling really down and about everything because I was so excited and already felt a little bit rejected by the story that I was a part of. But there is that like little part of me who was like, you know what, I'm gonna stick through it. Like, I'm gonna prove it to these women. Like I'm here and I care about them. This isn't gonna bring me down and I'm here for like a reason. You know, when I met you, I was like, wow, like, I would agree, like, you do talk a lot, especially, like, when I first met you, but yeah. now that you say that, I'm like, oh, wow, she was nervous because she had entered this, like, group of people that are, like, super different from, like, this other group of people that she's living with, and, like, I actually listened to what you were saying, and I was like, wow, this chick has great shit to say, and, like, I remember there was one day, because, like, in my, like, instinctively I'm like oh she's in a sorority like whatever but like again I just like put that aside and actually listened to what you were saying like there was one day I remember sitting on the couch at work and you like walk in and you're like did you hear about those missing and murdered indigenous women and we were like 
oh, like, yeah, like, blah, blah, blah. And you were like, I, like, I don't know. And you just, like, started going off on, like, this, like, beautiful, like, speech. And I don't know. I was just like, hell yeah, like, shorty, get it. And um, it's just like, you're so passionate and like, you, you've got things to say and uh, you should say them. And yeah, yeah, I'm here to back you up on that. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually hung out with some like new people last night and I felt really bad because I like interrupted them a bunch and like, I didn't mean to interrupt them. I just was like, so nervous. It happens. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. So like I was driving home last night and I was like, I hope they like me. Like, I hope they realize I wasn't trying to be rude and mean and like bitchy. Like I didn't mean to interrupt them. And like, I was trying to bond with them. And yeah, it was just, but yeah, they texted me today. I was like, thanks for hanging out with me. And they're like, yeah, we should do their time. And I was like, yes. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was kind of like the first kind of like, red flag that I got was being in that room and like people started noticing it like right away like people were starting to notice that I was feeling isolated right away and within a few months I was starting to say like I felt really isolated I felt really alone and like I was telling my big this and she was like oh you're new like you'll meet friends you'll make friends like everything will be okay and then my so since I was a, technically a senior in college when I joined because I'd taken so many credits when I was in high school that I could move in my second semester so that's what I did and I moved into a room with these two girls one of which like she seemed to not like me before moving in the other one was like incredibly nice everybody loved her everybody thought she was amazing and she's so funny and so kind and she's such a nice wonderful person and I like still this day I like absolutely love her and think she's a really great human um and she's never done anything to me that I'd be like oh like angry about but over the course of like living with those two women um the one who was really amazing she just kind of stayed out of everything but the other girl who didn't seem to like me really didn't like me, like really didn't like me. And so I'd like be living in the room with her and I would wake up for classes before her. And it was kind of a situation of I was on the top bunk and she's on the bottom bunk. And so I would get down and everything and I would accidentally like bump something. I'd be like, oh, shoot, like, I feel so bad. Like, I probably woke her up. I didn't mean to do that. And like gather my stuff and then go and like get ready in the bathroom and everything and get ready to go to class and everything that and then I'm gonna text and it'd be like you were super loud this morning you bumped my nightstand and that woke me up and I cannot believe you you were so loud and it was me being like I'm so sorry like I didn't mean to and like we sat down, we had a conversation like multiple times about like how I could do better, about being quieter and being more respectful to her in the room. It was just stuff like that over and over and over again of like, I can't believe you did this. You're being so disrespectful. You're being so rude. And the hard thing for me is that like she would go to the other sorority girls in the house and talk about me behind my back and say all these mean things and saying how horrible and rude and terrible I was. And she was, she became friends with my big. And so she would go to my big and talk really poorly about me to her. And at this point, my big like was kind of hanging out with me. Not really. She kind of was ignoring me. Um, she was, I, her and I weren't really as close as we were beforehand. 
And it was just really hard to watch this person who didn't like me go to her and talk about how horrible I was. And then for my big not to even reach out to me and be like, I want to hear your side of the story. And then I had a friend of mine outside of the sorority that I would go to and like kind of vent and tell them about how horrible things are going for me. And it was just, it started this whole entire thing that kind of happened throughout my time as sorority and living in the house, which was, I would get home at night, I would eat dinner and stuff, and people would stare at me, people would look at me, people wouldn't want to have conversations with me, um, they would kind of remove themselves, or they wouldn't let me join in the conversation with them. Um, they would like purposely say things and do things to kind of block me out and change the conversation to either make me, un- well, not really make me uncomfortable, but just made it clear, very clear to me through their body language and through their words. It just like didn't want me to talk to them. Um, and we had house boys, and that's like what they're called. And they're three boys that are hired, which like I didn't realize the connotation behind house boys until like my last like semester part of it. And then I was like, whoa that is really offensive. Like that is not okay. But that's what we call them. Um, And they're basically boys that we hire to work in the kitchen and like help cook the food and then help clean all the dishes and stuff afterwards. And so I really started leaning on them and becoming more friends with them because they were people who like actually wanted to talk to me and hang out with me. The working class. That's who it is. Yeah. Yeah. The working class. (laughs) And they wanted to hang out with me and they wanted to talk with me and they were really nice to me. And so that was kind of like my little safety net. And then I had my really, I had my friends who were living in the house. And so I'd go to them and I would talk about everything I was going through and kind of vent with like kind of um, tell, like vent to them what everything was going on. And I didn't feel comfortable in my room at all. Like I would be somewhere on the house throughout the day. I would like, I would be staying at campus late. Like I w- I did not feel comfortable living in that house. I didn't feel safe because I get home and all these girls would glare at me. Girls would talk about me behind my back. And this was like, I was part of the, like, this was probably like, gosh, like less than six months in the sorority and this stuff was happening to me. And like, it was really difficult and it was really hard to deal with that. And I remember calling my mom and my sister and just telling them like how alone I felt and how terrible I felt and how I just wanted to go home and how I wanted to get out of that place and how horrible it was and how badly I wanted to leave. And like, I remember girls would like hear me and like knock on the door and they'd open the door and be like, oh, whoops, they're crying. Oh, I'll just, I'll go. And then they never came up to me again and were like, hey, are you okay? They're like, oh, are you shitty? No. Nope. They would just see me crying and like, I'm going to, I'll give you your space. And then they just would like not come up to me and ask me how I was doing afterwards. Like I remember one night it was like the president at the time and I was in the basement. I was bawling my eyes out and she like opened the door and she's like, oh, oh, sorry. And she left and she didn't even like the next day didn't even say anything. Never came up to me and said anything like, oh, well, like nothing. And then that summer, so everything happened with that and it was really difficult, it was really hard. And then the person who didn't like me ended up becoming my, um, becoming like in charge of who gets to room with you in the house. So I was like, great, this person who really does not like me, who talked a lot of mean stuff about me this whole time that we're living together, and, you know, basically don't feel comfortable in the house now because everyone thinks it has her rhetoric in her mind about me and doesn't know who I am because all I've heard is her and I have been able to talk about like 
and I haven't been able to like express myself very much and show you who I really am and so she became in charge of like who was gonna live with who and so I was like oh great like great she's gonna she's gonna try and get me out of the sorority like she's gonna try her best to get me to leave because she doesn't like me and that summer I went to the national conference which like I applied for it and a bunch of girls in the sorority applied for it and when I got it they were like kind of shocked they're like what you got it out of everyone you got it and the whole thing that I wrote to the kind of like that got me there was about feeling isolated it was about girls being clicky it was about girls not being supportive and it was me just kind of being like this needs to change like I hate feeling like this I know I'm not alone in feeling like this and this really needs to change and so that's what got me to nationals and it was basically like a leaders conference it was a conference for girls who this the national sorority were like you're going to be an amazing leader either in the sorority or one day. And these are the tools that we're going to give you to help you become an amazing leader, which is like a big honor for me because I had applied to be different positions in my house and I was constantly denied, like constantly not voted on. Like girls would kind of like snicker and laugh, not towards me, but like behind my back when I would apply for positions. And like, did you see, did you see that Shorty tried to apply for this? Like, I cannot believe Shorty did this. Like Shorty, would never she'd be a horrible person in this position and it was just kind of like again like just didn't feel supported like really just didn't feel supported and it was really difficult and so when I got that I was like wow someone believes in me and someone thinks I have the like guts to do this and that I can do this and that feels really great and so I went and everything and it was 50 other women from different chapters around the nation in Canada. And I, I mean, we were there for a week, but I felt more supported that week than I had been in my sorority for like that whole year. And some of the girls that like I became really good friends with there, I still talk to today and they're still incredible and still amazing and hilarious and so kind and so sweet. And and that experience is one I'm really happy that I had. And it was something that kind of gave me that gratitude. And I remember when I was there, I got a call from our president. And she's kind of like, hey, how's it going? How's everything going? How are you doing? And then she kind of mentioned, she's like, yeah, I kind of heard the grapevines that this summer, like that you maybe didn't want to come back to the sorority or be a part of it or your doubts and stuff. And I just like want to check in on you. And I was shocked, first of all, to get a phone call from her or a text or anything, because before this, she had like never, ever reached out to me and asked how I was doing. Like before this, she was just kind of like, oh, she's struggling. It happens. But when I was here at this national conference, she was like, how are you doing? Is everything going OK? You gonna stay with us. And so I kind of like was crying to her a bunch about it. And I was just like, I feel really isolated in our sorority in our chapter but like being with these women in this space and feeling the support and love and care that I've wanted to feel and I feel as though I'm equipped going back now to kind of make this change that I really think would be important I really want to see and she was like yeah like I'm really excited for you too it's going to be great we're so excited for you to be there and all that kind of stuff and I was like oh my god yay fantastic I'm so excited 
And so I went back to the sorority and everything. And I was living with my really good friend and that was awesome. But the kind of isolation continued and I felt finally like safe in my own room with my roommate. And I knew she wasn't judgmental of me. She's been like burping a bunch. I knew she wasn't making fun of me behind my back. I knew that she really cared about me and that she was so supportive of me, but I still felt isolated in other ways. Like I specifically remember at one point, all of us went, a couple of us girls went to go get ice cream. There was like two girls ahead of me and the other two girls. And then there was me. And it was like three people could have fit on the sidewalk easily, but it was the two girls in front of me and me behind them. And like, they like I would try and walk next to them and they'd get wider apart so I couldn't and I would try and have a conversation with them and they would just block it off and it was just like this feels really great this feels really great to have happen and and I like tried a couple times like there's girls who go on hikes and like oh my god I want to go hiking too and they're like oh yeah yeah you can come with us and they would just like forget to tell me when they were going, what the plan was, all that kind of stuff. Or if I did go, it was like them two were hanging out. And then I was like the third wheel who just was there, but they didn't like want to be there. And then when it came to like any kind of events that we were at, it was really difficult for me because like, I just felt so isolated. Like I remember that semester too, I tried going out to the frats and all that kind of stuff. And there was two groups of girls there was the girls who go out on the weekend and party at frat houses or they get their take their fake IDs and they would go downtown um, and they would go party. Or there was the girls who were like me and they would stay home and they would study on a Friday night. And you had those two girls, two sets of girls. And the girls who would study home at night, the girls who would go party would look down upon and treat differently because they chose to study that night instead of going out and going partying. And we did this thing too called car barring because we couldn't have any alcohol on the promise on the premises. And so we'd go out to a car and the girls would have like, regardless if they're of age or underage, they would have like vodka in their trunks or like white claw or something. And so you'd pull a white claw out of the trunk and you would go sit in the car and you would drink a white claw. And then you would just like hang out and chit chat and listen to music. And then you'd go to the frat houses and like, it would be like the president would be one of the cars with like the freshmen drinking and that kind of stuff. And they would take them out to the frat houses and everything. And the girls who were older would take the freshman girls out to the frat houses and introduce them all the frat boys. And there was girls who like would hang out the frat houses even when it was not like a Saturday night and became really good friends with the frat boys and that kind of stuff. And they were called like frat rats and everything. And some of them like were there because they wanted to get with one of the frat boys and like date them and then there were some girls who just were like I just like hanging with the bros um that's why I'm here but yeah it was like a lot of kind of like that feeling of you know there is two different types of women and with those two different types of women one was very judgmental the other and I remember quickly after becoming a part of KBGA it went from girls being like okay yeah we'll go to things to whenever I would stand up and announce an event we had or a fundraiser we were doing or something I was excited about they would like roll their eyes 
like full on eye roll. Then you have to hide it just full on eye roll. And I remember too, I started that time going to like house shows and stuff. And I was super excited about it. And I really loved doing it. And some of the girls like, whoa, cool. Like you go to house shows. Like that's super cool. And other girls like, yeah, she's really weird. She like goes these like punk house shows on a Friday night. She doesn't even go out partying with us. She like goes these punk house shows. And it's like, and it was interesting too, is that like, so say you went out a Friday night. Or like you stayed in on Friday night, Saturday morning, you would wake up and you would get breakfast and you'd hear about all the stories of that night. And typically the girls who got the drunkest were kind of their stories were the funniest. And so all the girls like, oh my God, I can't believe so-and-so. She got so drunk last night. She like got on a table and started dancing. It was hilarious. Like, oh my God. And then she came back and she threw up all over the bathroom. It was gross. We had to clean up, but like, oh my gosh, she was so funny. And she was so much fun last night. Like I cannot believe how much fun we had. Wasn't so much fun. So-and-so and so-and-so was like, yeah, it was so much fun dancing on that table. It was really cool. I loved it. All the guys were like all over me. And, you know, it was kind of like, okay, cool. Good for you. And then, you know, if you were at home that night, like, yeah, like I just watched like Harry Potter and it was really cool. The girl's like, oh, cool. And then Saturday and then Saturday night, you know, girls would go out and Sunday morning, it was like the same thing of, oh my God, I got like so drunk last night. I like made out with so-and-so in front of everybody. I'm like so embarrassed. And the girl's like, oh my God, we had so much fun though. It was like awesome hanging out. I'm like, oh my God, you're so funny. And that kind of stuff. And the girls who would go out and get drunk on the weekends were kind of glamorized because they were so funny and they were so fun. And and the girls who stayed home or did something other than going out to their frat houses or downtown were kind of looked at as weird and were kind of looked down upon. And like, that was just kind of sad as well. Cause like, I, as you know, I'm a lightweight, I can handle a beer and then that's about it. And so it doesn't take me much, but I really watch my drinking because I know I'm such a lightweight and I don't trust men. And so I know not to get super duper drunk in these situations because I just don't trust men and that I'd rather be in a space where I felt more comfortable being drunk with like people that I knew and people that I trusted. And I trusted more people from KBGA to go out and go drinking around and to like do these different things with because it was spaces where I felt safe. And it was people I felt safe around. And I mean, my first roommate in the sorority, I started having really bad tremors when living there because it it seemed like everything that I did, I would get yelled at for by her or like talk to about her in a way that was negative in a way that was like put down upon me. And so I kind of got in this perfectionist mentality of like, I have to make sure I'm perfect. And if I like, if I even slightly step out of line I'll get yelled at for it and all the girls will judge me because I slightly stepped out of line like I accidentally grabbed my Advil pills out of the out of the drawer and made a little bit too noise too much noise and my second roommate I felt a lot more comfortable because she's more accepting of me I felt I, my tremors kind of stopped because I didn't feel as though like I was as stressed about being perfect but between like during this living in the sorority in that semester, like I'd gained like over 20, 30 pounds of weight. And it was because of like, we'd walk in and the, the like little pantry area we had was like full of food. And of course it was like somewhat healthy food, but mostly not. And so you were allowed to eat food whenever you wanted. And a lot of the girls stress ate. And so I would stress eat too. And so I got, I gained a lot of weight from that. 
I didn't feel comfortable working out in that space because a lot of the girls were really judgmental and they had a lot of body issues themselves. And there was a lot of like body dysmorphia. There was a, a couple eating disorders. There was like a girl who had a job out because of drug abuse. Um, there was another girl struggling with drug addiction within the sorority. And that was really hard to witness. There's one girl who was, a, who was, I think still to this day is a functioning alcoholic. Like she would fill up her hydro flask with vodka and sit on the oval and drink her vodka. And it was just like, you just straight vodka. And I was like, you do realize like that is straight vodka you're drinking at 11 p.m., 11 a.m. on the college campus. And she was like, yeah, but like, I really needed it. Like I needed my vodka that morning. Like I had a rough morning. I was hungover, so I had to have vodka the next morning to like break the hangover. But yeah, I mean, a lot of it was just like isolation and feeling really alone and then feeling really anxious because I was in the space for like anything I did that was remotely weird, wrong or not accepted. I felt a lot of judgment towards like a lot of judgment. And then my final roommate was this was the straw that broke the camel's back because she was someone known in the house to like absolutely hate me, like hate me, period. Like, not even like, oh, she doesn't like her. It was like, she hated me. And it was known she hated me. And at this point, before I even became a roommate, I was questioning whether or not I wanted to be in the sorority. And I think that some of the girls knew that and put me with her because they wanted me out. Like, they wanted me out of the sorority and they knew that this person would make me leave. It was awful. Like, the standards in which... I was held to versus what she's held herself to were different. And like, apparently all the other girls that she'd been roommates with, she was awful to. I mean, again, it was a whole thing of like, you, it wasn't like a whole thing of like, you did this this morning and it really made me mad, but it was, you have dirty dishes on your side of the room that you need to clean up, but I have dirty dishes on my side of the room that I'm not going to clean up. And then she was just like blatantly rude to me, blatantly mean to me, like constantly glaring, judging me constantly. And again, my like anxiety was really high. I had a really hard time breathing when I walked to him on the sorority house because I was like, I had a bunch of hyper, um, I had a, I had a bunch of like anxiety and hypervigilance at the time. And so walking to and from the sorority house is hard because there was male frat boys who'd walk behind me and they would scare me. Not because they did anything to me, just because they're, they're men. men. They're men, they scare you. <laughs> so they would, they, would, they would scare me. And then I would come home and it was just, I would hear girls talking my back, behind my back constantly, like constantly. And at this time I was taking some really hard classes. And so I was downstairs in the basement we called bomb. Then it was like our big study room and you had to be completely silent when you're in there. And I didn't feel comfortable with being in my room because my roommate had like designated her room, like our room is like her space. So it was like her study space, her hangout space, all that kind of stuff. So like, I didn't feel comfortable hanging out there at all because it was, she was constantly in there. And when she wasn't in there, I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna take up space. And then she got annoyed at me for taking up space. And I remember like being down in bomb one night and I was studying. And I remember this so clearly. I, I can literally hear her exact tone of voice in my head when I think about this, but she just like whispered, she's like, I really hope shorty drops. 
Like, I really hope she drops. Like, I'm so excited for her to drop. Like, I'm so excited. I cannot wait for her to drop. Like, I really hope she drops. And when you drop, you, like, drop out of the sorority. You're like, say, I'm done. That was really hard to hear. And, like, at this point, going home, it was it was the worst it ever had been. Like, girls were so, like, none of, none of the freshmen who came in, but, like, other girls in the sorority who I went through initiation with, were making me feel really isolated. Like I would try and to go to their girl's room and like hang out and stuff like that. And it just seemed like that was unwanted. I mean, I would, I would try, I would try so hard to get them to like me and to get them to want to be friends with me and hang out with me. And it was constant, constant rejection. It was constantly like, you're not good enough. You're weird. We don't like you. We think this about you. It was constant, like just rejection like come home rejected, say something rejected, do something rejected. And that's why like I really leaned into KBGA as my family more than the sorority was because of that. And I remember I'd come to you guys and I would talk to you about my roommate at the time and how horrible things were going. And the person who was in charge of like all the sororities was across the way. And one of the girls, um, one of the freshmen sat outside of the office a lot. And I remember one day, like my roommate was like, so I've been hearing you've been talking some smack about me and you've just been like talking about me behind my back. And like, I really don't think it's okay for you to talk about me behind my back in front of everybody. And like people, I don't know, like, I don't think that's nice of you. And I was like, I'm not mentioning your name ever. I just say my roommate. So they don't know who you are. So they can't judge you when they meet you. Like, I don't do that kind of stuff. Also too, like, that's my safe space to talk about what I'm going through and to vent and they really care for me and they're like my family and I remember my sorority just being like well you shouldn't do that because that's mean and rude and that's not okay and I was like in my head I was like so she gets to go and she gets to go talk about me behind my back in front of all the sorority sisters but I can't go to my one safe space and talk about her and talk about how horrible things are with her I can't do that that's not allowed and I was like that is horrible that is terrible for you to allow that to happen and that's acceptable but the fact of what I'm doing is not acceptable and I remember at that point in time too I was on like academic probation because I'd gotten a c minus in one class the semester before and so I had someone checking in on me like every single two weeks and being like did you turn in all your assignments did you turn in all your assignments are you working really hard are you making sure you're living up to our standards? And it was stupid. It was so dumb. I was like, I literally got a C in one class, one semester that brought my GPA down by like 10 points. Do you really have to sit down with me every single two weeks and make me feel as though I'm not good at college and I don't know what I'm doing? I'm taking 19 credits right now. Do you really think I don't know what I'm doing? <laughs> It was just, it was defeating. It was just really defeating. And it just felt as though like people just didn't like me, didn't trust me, didn't believe in me, didn't support me. And I remember I had a, a therapist at the time that I'd go to and she would hear all of this and she'd just go, I cannot wait for you to leave that place. That place is so horrible. That place is so toxic. It's so bad for your mental health. Like you're obviously not getting the support, care or love that you deserve and that you need in that space. And it was really hard leaving it because I had so much faith in it. Like I had, I was like, part of me was like, 
you know, just like stick with it. Like, it'll get better. Like, it'll get better. It'll get better. Like, I just got to keep going. It'll be, it'll get better. The girls were like, start to get, will want to get to know me more and we'll become friends and like, it'll get better. And it just, that was something I just kept repeating to myself because I wanted so hard to believe in it. And I just was getting shown something else time and time and time again. And whenever I go to events or whenever I come home, it was constant glaring, judgment, passive aggressiveness, like constant rejection, like every single night, every single day. And like during Radiothon, that was that year Radiothon, like coming home was horrible because, you know, we'd Didn't stand- they like withhold food from you or something like that or dinner? Yeah. yeah. So like what happened was, is that so like I would leave in the morning and if you were going to miss dinner that night, you had to write your name on a sheet and they would keep it for you. And so, you know, I would go to this, I would go to campus and I'd be in the office at 8 a.m. And then, you know, we'd come home at like 7, I'd come home at 7 p.m. and I'd eat dinner. And like, they would all like look at me and they're like, she doesn't care about the sorority. All she cares about is her stupid radio show and her stupid radio station. She doesn't even want to be here. Like, she does not care about this at all. And that was awful to hear because like I was at KBGA being a good student, working really hard there. And I was a community organizer at the time and doing a ton of interviews with bands and local bands, like like national famous bands, because I loved what I was doing, because I really wanted to connect the community to the, to KBGA. And I was, I felt as though I was doing a really good job and I really loved my job at that point in time. And I love being PD too. Um, but I really love being a part of the, of KBGA. And like, even looking back at my college experience, like KBJ is a highlight. It'll always be a highlight. It'll always be the point of which I'm like, you know, that was my whole home. That was my whole family. Those people I really cared about and still care about. Um, obviously, I still keep in touch with. That was really awful coming home that week because it was just a bunch of, pe- bunch of people being like, she doesn't care. Like, she doesn't care at all. She doesn't care about anybody but her stupid radio station and herself. And it was like, actually, I'm doing this because you know, in our, in our goals, we say to like, to like work with the community and volunteer a bunch and do these different things. And that's what I'm doing. Like I was the girl in the house who every single semester would either reach volunteer goals or overachieve volunteer hours. So you'd like get a certain number of volunteer hours. It was like four or five. And I'd come in with like 20 or 30 or like 15, like way above what you're supposed to have and everyone was like oh my god and I was like what I just love volunteering I love helping the community that's like why I'm a part of this is to help the community and to be a good role model and everything around this time too oh I have to tell this story because it just really encapsulates how terrible it would be so our vice president at the time she had a lot of dietary restrictions and it was my job one night to go through the fridge and toss out all of the, cause we had like one fridge that was for leftovers and one fridge for all of like any food that us sorority sisters wanted to have. And so it was my goal to go, it was my job to go through the fridge. And so that's what I did. And there's a soup and the date on it was really weird. It looked like the soup was expired. So I tossed it out. A couple hours later, the vice president of the sorority comes into my room bloody murder screams at me about throwing away her soup i cannot believe you threw away my soup you know i have dietary restrictions you know i can't eat a lot of stuff and you threw all my soup and that was expensive soup and she was pissed 
And like, she was so loud, the whole house shook. And she was screaming at me over soup. Just soup. That's it. <laughs> Literal, just soup. And I even was like, I can go to the good food store tonight. I can buy you some soup. Like, I'm so sorry. I thought I read the date wrong and I threw it out. Like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to throw away your soup. I feel really awful now. Like, I apologize. Like, what can I do to fix this? And she's like, no, you can't do anything. You threw in my soup and I cannot believe you did that. You know, I have dietary restrictions and I just, I can't believe you. Like, you're so mean and you're so awful for throwing away my soup. Like multiple women came from the house, like came up to me that night. And like, I mean, I had to leave the house. Like, I think I went to a friend's house that night and cried my eyes out because I just like was felt so defeated by that. And it was the, like, it was the vice president. Like it wasn't even like a random girl that I was in the sorority with. It was like the person who was in charge of all of us. And she'd come into my room and yelled at me something that you shouldn't do as a leader and especially over soup I remember like there was girls who were like I can't believe she did that that's horrible that's terrible and I'm here for you and I support you and I I think what she did was wrong and I really think that she should apologize and it took like three or four girls going to the president of the sorority at the time talking to her and even yelling at her to make the vice president apologize to me. And even when the vice president apologized, she's like, I'm sorry, you threw away my soup. Like not even like, I'm sorry for the way I acted. It was, I'm sorry, you threw away my soup. It was just baffling. Cause it was like, wow, you can't even support somebody who got yelled at over something stupid. You're in a stick with the people who keep you in power or stick with the people who, you know, make you look good or, you know, make you feel as though you're worth something in this place, then stick up for the people who actually would be there for you at the end of the day and would actually care for you. Like that is so telling and that is so sad. And that was another reason why I decided I was going to leave was because it was just constantly being shown over and over and over again that like I'm not enough in that space and along with that like my really good friends had watched how devastating being part of it was like you probably watched like how hard it was being there and like the amount of times that I've cried the amount of times that I was like wailing the amount of times I sat in someone's car and just was shaking from anxiety and from stress of being a part of it and just the constant rejection and fear and all the kind of stuff that went with it. And then along with that, like I was looking ahead to my summer and that summer I had to take summer classes and summer classes cost a lot of money and sororities aren't cheap. Like the sorority I was in, it was 34, it was like $3,400 to be in it for the year. And I paid for that out of my college savings that I paid for. Like I saved for myself for college when I was in high school. Like I had $7,000 saved up for college. And by the time I left the sorority, I had none of that savings left. None of it. I spent all of it on the sorority. And I regret it so much because I would have been so much more financially secured if I wasn't a part of it. My parents didn't want to pay for it. They're like, if you want to be part of this, you have to pay for it. So I did. And living in the house 
was significantly more expensive living outside the house. And so looking ahead towards like that summer and that fall, I was going to spend around $14,000, I want to say, somewhere between $14,000 and $20,000 and just like basically like paying for myself to have an apartment, paying for myself to eat and paying for myself to go to school. And that was like $20,000 between me and my parents. Like you have this thing where you can go financially inactive for a semester. So you basically just like take a pause and take a break and you leave and you go financially inactive and then you can join back the next semester when you feel financially stable enough to do so. But you have to go through this process to do it. And so I, you probably remember, I filled out the whole entire paperwork I like attached information about the median average of like rent for a studio apartment in Missoula, how much food was going to cost, like budgeted everything out, like listed how much my summer bill was going to cost, how much my fall bill was going to cost. And I had my sister, my mom, and my best friend at the time, like all write letters talking about how my mental health was being depleted being in that place and how I needed a break and how badly I needed a break to get out of that place. And I remember I gave it to the committee and it was like a thick stack of papers. It was the financial committee who reviews it and approves it. And I remember it got denied. And I was like, I literally just told you that I can't afford this. And I'm going to pay $20,000 the next two semesters just to get the degree that I want to get. And instead of giving me a break, you're saying, if you want to be a part of this, you can cough up another $1,700. Like you can do it. If you really want to be part of this, you can cough up another $1,700. And I was like, I'm already struggling financially enough the way it is being a part of this. And now you want me to struggle even more. This is really annoying too. I was like, why didn't I get this? And they were like, well, there's a lot of girls applying for a financial inactivity. And there was a lot of girls who applied last year. And like, we just can't apply a lot anymore go financially inactive and what had happened to the girls the year before who went financially inactive is they went financially inactive for a semester they realized how amazing being outside of the sorority was and they dropped they like literally were like yeah I don't need part of this anymore and dropped and um like I'd seen some of them they're like you yeah, know it was the best decision I've made like dropping was amazing I think it was such a good thing for me to do which you know, I was shocked by I was like why you're gonna go financially inactive like and you drop, like, why would you drop? Like, this is such a great place. And they're like, yeah, I just can't afford it. And then like, I weighed the pros and cons and the cons are more than the pros. And I was like, oh, what? But yeah, I, I remember I applied for a financial activity and I got denied. And then I had a really hard time because I was like, either I leave this place that I have so much faith in and that I don't want to give up on, and but has given up on me or... I stick with it and I continue to feel this way and continue to feel so down and alone and sad and depressed and isolated. And it was really funny the time after like, after all of this had happened, getting yelled at by people, getting glared at, getting told passive, like being told pass aggressively. And at this point too, my big was like non-existent. Like she just wasn't there. And so I remember I was like getting ready to fill out paperwork to drop and I remember my old, my first roommate who was awful to me knocks on my door and she goes, so I've been hearing you're like debating about dropping. How about I let you live outside the house next semester? Like if I let you live out, can you afford it? And living out was like $800 to live out instead of like, you know, the thousand plus live inside the house. So like, it was a good deal. It was like 
you know, like 800 bucks to live out, not bad. And so she was like, could you do that? And I was like, no, I can't afford that. Like I just told all of you, I can't afford being a part of this right now. And you still want me to cough up money? And at the time too, we had a huge recruitment issue and a huge, like we had tons of, like we had a bunch of girls who rushed and then dropped. And we were having an issue of like keeping girls and having girls coming into soror- our sorority and want to be a part of it. And I was kind of like, no, duh. Like you guys are so exclusive and so rude. And like, literally I had a friend come over at one point and none of the girls said hi to my friend. They all glared at us as they walked by and didn't even say hi. And I remember I mentioned it and I was like, um, I had a friend over and tons of people were glaring at her and eyeing her down and none of you guys came up to say hi. And that is so rude. And then like the whole story had a conversation or a fireside chat of we need to be more accepting of other people, even people who aren't in this house. And we need to be nice to everyone that walks in this space, whether we like them or not. And it was kind of like laughable because it was like, you guys are not going to change. Like you're not going to change. I know this. I've been a part of this for how long? And you guys haven't changed. What makes you think that now you're going to change? This isn't changing. I've tried to have this change and no one agreed with me and no one did anything. And it was very frustrating. Um, And my whole rhetoric the whole time was like, we have these clicks and they need to break and I want them to break and I want to feel supported. And people just ignoring that and ignoring that and ignoring that and telling me that I'm like wrong and that I have friends and I have people who care about me and I have all these different things that I actually didn't have. So it was a lot of that. And it was just like, what I feel happier outside of this place. And I remember everybody at KBG at the time was like, get the F out of there. Like we support you 110%. Like get out of there, please. We want you to feel better. You are struggling so much right now the fact that they denied your application to go financially inactive is stupid and we want you out of there for your health and your for your safety and I remember my therapist too was like I want you out of there for you for your mental health because your mental health is struggling so bad backtracking a little bit we had a Halloween party um the semester before and that night I decided that I would become a funny drunk girl and so I got super duper drunk like super drunk Why? Because I wanted to be viewed as a funny girl and be accepted in my sorority. So I got super fucking drunk. And I remember the next morning, it wasn't, oh my God, Shorty was so much fun. She was so drunk. It was like, I can't believe her. She got so drunk last night. She's such an alcoholic. She's so messy. Like, did you see her last night? She's such a drunk And it was just, I felt so depleted because I was like, I just did this to make you like me and you don't like me still. I did something that you've shown me multiple times that you accept people for. And then I wasn't. And so it was just like all of that. And I was talking to a sorority sister of mine who was a senior we about to graduate and she was like, I'm so fucking, she's like, I'm so ready. I'm so ready to go. Like, I'm so ready to leave this place. Like, I absolutely hate my senior class. I hate people I'm graduating with. I'm so ready to be done. I've been waiting like years to be done with this place. And she didn't live in at all. She lived in for like maybe a semester or two, but she lived with her parents. But she's like, this place sucks. And I'm so happy and so excited for you to leave because it is terrible and I should have left before. 
Like I should have left. I should have just left that place. It was awful. Yeah. Leaving it was really hard. It was really hard because like, I felt like I was giving up. I felt that I was like, you know, I'd lost, like I was fighting this battle so hard and I just like lost. Yeah. I just felt like so down about it and so like confused and like I'd lost a part of my identity too and I was just like really yeah just like lost and that was really difficult to deal with but I had another sorority sister of mine who was dropping too and for her it was like everyone was shocked she was dropping they're like what you're leaving like we don't want you and like basically before you before I dropped I had like multiple I had the president be like please don't leave like we love you we really care about you really support you like we really want you part of our house and I had other girls that come and like oh my god we like we care about you and we support you and we're really excited for you and you know we love KBGA and like all this stuff and I was just like you're lying to my face Like, you do not care about me. You've shown that to me multiple occasions. Not once, not twice, but on multiple occasions that you do not give a flying shit about me at all. And so I dropped in everything. And when you drop, you have to give back, like, everything that has any letters on it. So sweatshirts I'd bought and sweatshirts I'd I'd been given, like, paintings I was given. um, And when you're a sorority, you're given, like, paddles as like a sign of like friendship. You don't ever get like hit with paddles, thank God. Um, But you would be like, as a symbol of love, you'd get a paddle. And so like all the paddles that people had made me, which was like two paddles, um, they like gave me back. Like I had to give back and like anything remotely that had the sorority's name on it because like, we don't want you to rep our merch because you're no longer a part of us. And we don't want you you know, going out there and causing a huge problem and causing a huge issue and like, you know, putting our letters out there and having us have a bad reputation. Okay. Oh, I can't believe forgot about this little thing too. I call this story the night from hell. And that is where we're ending part one of the sororities episode. Assuming I haven't changed my mind at the last minute, uh, part two should be up now. So you're welcome.